0: Well, good morning church. It's a, it's a privilege to be standing here again, looking forward to to sharing what God's laid on my heart as we as we start, if you'd like to turn to Matthew twenty, verse one to sixteen. And and as you turn there, let me just open in prayer again. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you that that we can be here today to hear your word. Lord, thank you that you speak to us. Lord, I pray now that you will Continue to speak to us today, Lord, that, that you'll touch each one of our hearts where we're at, Lord, with comfort and, and peace and joy, Lord. Just pray for this in your name. Amen. And as, as you turn there, today's, today's focus will really be on, on the ways of God and the heart of man. And, and I feel like this has been a challenging sermon to prepare. And, and hopefully there's, there's some nuggets for you in this as we, as we go through it. So Matthew 20, verse 1 to 16, says this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day's wage, he sent them out into the vineyard. And going about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, "You go and work in my vineyard too. Whatever is right, I will give you." So they, so they went. So they, yeah, so they went. Going out again at the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And at about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said, "Why do you stand here idle all day?" And he, and he said to them, "Because no one has no one has hired us." And the master said to them, "Go into my vineyard as well." And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And those who were hired at the eleventh hour came and received a denarius, a full day's wage. And now those who were hired first, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. On receiving, they grumbled to the the master of the house, saying, The last workers worked an hour. And you have made them equal. We have, bur- we have borne the burden of all day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friends, I am doing no wrong to you. Did you not agree to work for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I, choose, I chose to give the last workers the same, in, same as you. Am I, lot, am I not allowed to do what I choose? Am I not allowed to do, with, do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge or argue with my genu- generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And I feel like that's God's, this was on the list to preach, and I feel like it's a, it's a very prevalent message at, at this season we're in. And, and as, we, as, we, as we dive into this passage, the struggle that we face is that there's two kingdoms and as we've looked through the kingdom of heaven, we've spoken about the, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and the world's kingdom. And these two kingdoms are, are constantly at war with each other. The biggest struggle we have is that the world's kingdom is, is tangible. It's visible. We can see it. We experience. We, we live in it. However, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is only understood through the Spirit. One day in heaven, we'll see it in full. But now we don't. So we, we struggle with that. And sometimes we don't know what's going on because the world the kingdom of the world seems to be falling apart and we go where's God's kingdom in this The other issue is that they have vastly different standards they teach and promote completely different things they emphasize and and they emphasize completely different values Therefore it's impossible to reconcile these two kingdoms together We can't be half in one and half in the other we're called to be in the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Bible's call for us is. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. And, and I feel like the church has taken this two ways. Often we've, we've gone, we've, we need to be out of the world, so we're going to go build our church and our houses on a mountain, put a massive wall around it, and make sure no one else comes near us. You know, that way we will protect ourselves. That way we will be completely safe from, from the world around us. While the other side is, is the church has gone, we need to actually look a lot like the world so that people will come and they won't feel out. And and the issue there is that we compromise what the gospel calls us to do. So, but rather, we in, a, in the middle, we're called to live out our faith on earth, Earth, but we never called to live by the world's standards. We're called to live by what the Bible tells us. We're called to live by what Scripture instructs us. And as we looked last week, we saw the, the topic of greatness and, and how the... the the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the earth have two completely different standards. The world says get on top and leave as many people as you can behind you. Jesus says become like a child and you'll be great. These two, these two kingdoms can't be reconciled in, into one. But, but as we read this passage today, we, we realize that it doesn't introduce a, a, new, a new principle or a new standard that we call to live by but rather it shows us that God's at work. And, and the heart of this passage is, is that God is at work, and, and at, the, the, yeah, at the heart of this passage is, is our heart's response to it. Or another way to ask us, this passage asks us to do self-examination when it comes to the work of God. The challenge today is, as I was preparing this, this sermon and and I had to keep reminding myself is that we're talking about the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of Mark. There are times where, where I seek to build my own kingdom. There's, there's times where I, where I sit and question what God is doing. And, and I'm just going to be honest today that, that a lot of the sermon is my, my heart's on my sleeve. Because I feel like if I'm going to cover it up, we're all going to cover it up. So, so often I sit there going, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this to happen? how can this be the best way you know often there's times i feel like i have a a lot better plan than god mainly because it it requires a lot less effort and it's slightly more comfortable at that moment so i question god what are you doing how can you do this but as i read this passage as i as i confronted it this question kept popping in my mind and it's the question i want to ask you today is how do you respond when you see god at work so how do you respond when you see God at work? And there's two options. We can be the roadblock. You know, we can seek to stop it. We can seek to slow it down. Why? Because we don't like where it's going. We don't like how it's going to affect us. Or as this, as this passage calls us, we can embrace it. Church, the message of the gospel is that we embrace the work of God. And, and that's, where we, that's where we find ourselves. So today's first point, it's a loaded point, but that God is sovereign. And I stand here today in the midst of so much that has happened in our church, in our world, in our own lives. And I humbly stand here today and tell you that I don't know the answers. I don't know the hurt. I don't know the trouble. I don't know the anger. I don't know how your heart feels to what's going on around you. And that's my honest opinion there. But at the same time, I stand here fully confident that God is in control that God is sovereign, that God works and acts according to His great plan. A plan that I don't understand, a plan that if I was in control of, I think I'd probably last about five minutes and the world would end. And, and I'm giving myself five minutes because i I've been gracious. Maybe a second or two. But, but God's got a plan and God is working it out. Just three, three verses. I mean, there's so many more. But Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Churches, as, as I read this, uh, I think to myself that we can worship a God who is so much bigger than us. We can worship a God who, who, whose thoughts, whose ways are so much higher than ours. Secondly, Exodus 33 verse, verse 19 and, and the Lord said to Moses, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I'll show mercy to who I'll show mercy. Church, we can worship a God who has shown us mercy and grace. We can worship a God who, who loves us. And finally, Romans 8 verse 28. For we know that in all things, for we know that... For we know sorry. <laughs> and we know that for all those who love God, He works to get He works things for the good, the, for those who are called according to His purpose. Sometimes we don't like we don't like the hardship. We don't like the suffering. We don't like the, the the bad times. But church we can worship a God who is working things for our good. Even when it seems to our standard that it's a complete failure. When it seems to our standard like this isn't going to work out. And, and seeking God is a, is a, seeking to understand God isn't just a single sermon or a single point and we're going to get this. I feel like we could preach on, on attributes of God from now until Jesus returns and one day we'll get to heaven and still be completely amazed at who he is. So, so understanding that God is so much greater than us. Uh, I found this quote this week, it's written by A.W. Tozer. Very old, not very old, but not, I think he died in about 1940. But he wrote this He said, To know God is at once the easiest and the most difficult thing in the world. It is easy because the knowledge is not won by hard mental toil, but is something that is freely given by God. As sunlight falls on an open field, so knowledge of a holy God is open for man to receive. But this knowledge is difficult because there are conditions that need to be met. And our obstinate nature doesn't take kindly to what God says. So as as, as I continued reading that chapter, it boils down to the issue of our heart. You know, where is our heart in, in what God's doing? And as I said earlier, I wear my heart on my sleeve because there's times where, where I struggle. And I, I go, God, what are you doing? I understand you in... In head knowledge, I understand who you are. You know, I've, I've got the degree sometimes. I go, God, I've, I've learned about your attributes. I've written assignments about it. But there's times where we struggle to accept what he's doing. We struggle to go, God, you know, this, this doesn't look good for me. But, but in that, we, we can continue to, to stay strong and hold our faith. Tim Keller made this statement. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. Sometimes if we, if we think we know everything that God's doing, if we think we know, you know God's just there to make it comfortable, to make us feel warm and fuzzy, and, and our, everything's going to be good, I think we, we've, we've made a God that, that suits us. We have to accept God for who He is, for, for His plans are way above our plans. He's perfect and, and, he, and he wants the best for us. But as we look at this passage, we see God's plans and man's plans collide. The master, who was a wealthy man who owned a vineyard, he, he went out to hire workers. He went out, he found them, and they agreed on the wage, and they set off for their 12 hour day of work. No, 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 eight, eight no hour days. Yeah. Excuse me. It was 12 hours. Six until six. Six in the morning till six in the evening. There was no trade union to, to discuss what the best wage was. They agreed by both parties. They shook hands, and off they went to work. But during the day, the master went out at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock, and added more workers. And the passage says that he, he told them he will give them what is right. And in my mind, I was kind of going, what is right? You know, 75% of a day's wage for the guy who started at 9, 50% for the guy who started at 12 and 25% for the guy who started at three. Like that would be right in my mind. And then finally at five o'clock, he finds a whole bunch of people who have been idle all day, doesn't discuss wages with them and just tells them to go work in his field. But this is where the kingdom principle comes in that all all, all of these got paid the same wage regardless of how long they worked for. Some authors would say that the master could be seen as a picture of God And in verse 15, it it has these words, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? The earth is the Lord's, and and He's in control. He chooses to do with what belongs to Him as He pleases. And and we need to trust Him in that. God's ways are not our ways. His, His thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes it's like we're trying to hold the old 35 more film, unexposed, in our hand, and, we, and we're trying to look through the, through the light or at the sun to, to see the picture. And if any of you have ever done that, you know, it's not very clear. You kind of get an idea of what's there, but there's not much detail. However, God's holding the fully developed film. Every detail in the background, every color, every picture is, is there. We, we, we don't see in full, but He does. So today we have the option to embrace God for who He is and what He's doing. Or we have the option to fight God for who He is and what He's doing. And the reality is, church, if we're going to fight God, we're going to lose. So so as we embrace Him, it calls into question our heart. This, the, this passage, as we read, clearly shows that man's heart as it comes to the sovereignty of God. And there's two major conditions that... That jump out in this passage. I think there's many more, but for the sake of, of sticking to the scripture, these two or three jump out. The first condition that we see is that is that man's heart is greedy and jealous. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful above all things. This is a result of our fallen condition. It's, it's who we are. Notice the original group of workers, if you if you look at the passage, the the master went out and he found them, and they agreed on all the T's and C's, they read the fine print, they said, look, this is, they knew the conditions that they were working under, he didn't go, hey guys, um, please come sweep out my, my storeroom, and when they got there, he was like, actually jokes, um, I need you to go work in the sun all day and, and pick my grapes. So they knew the conditions, they knew the job that they were doing, and most importantly, both parties agreed on the wages they would receive. There was, there was, and, and this this original group was part of no of the, like none of the negotiations that followed. They, they they were at work when the master called the other, other helpers to come. But when pay time came, when it ta- when it was time to give, get their day's wage, the master started with the last and went to the first, and he gave the guys who started last the same wage as the guy who's, the guys who started first. And the truth is that anger brewed up inside of them. This came out of their heart. They felt like they were being cheated, like they were being treated unfairly. How can this happen? How can this work? In verse 10, we we read that the first group of workers expected more. You know, we should have got paid more. You know, if you paid the guys who only worked an hour the same as we getting paid for 12 hours, we should get at least 12 times what they got. If it was one denarius for an hour, we want 12. They argued with the master, that, and, and his response is, am I not allowed to do what I want to do? And, and do you be, are you angry? Do you begrudge my generosity? Are you angry because I'm generous with what is mine? And the truth is that, that often we can argue with God. We hear... Uh, you know, when it comes to end of the year or February, whenever it happens, and you get told you're getting your 10% pay increase, and you're happy. you smile smiling, you're going, if I get a 10%, 10% pay increase, I'll, I'll keep up with Discovery's 10% increase on medical aid premiums. And we, we go to that bra on Saturday, and we chat into our friend, and they go, yes, you know what? God's been good to me. I'm getting a 20% pay increase this year. I guarantee you, if it was me, I stand there and I go, what about me? Where's mine? Greed and jealousy is sitting in our hearts. It's there. It's ready to pounce. We hear that others have been treated better than us. We hear of others succeeding, others getting the promotion, others receiving a blessing of God. And we question, where is mine? God, I want it as well. You know, I don't, I don't want what you have for me, I want what you have for them. Let us not forget that God is at work in their life as well as your life. God doesn't work on a copy-paste model. It's not one size fits all. Therefore, we need to trust God's time in for us and for others as He's at work. Second, the second condition that jumps up is envy. We, we look at the story and we, we see that the master did nothing wrong. He paid the the original group of workers what they agreed. You know, this this is the wage you will get. You work for 12 hours and you will get this. It was the master's choice to give the last group of workers the same as the first. It wasn't the request of the last group. It wasn't like they said, look, we'll come and work for the next hour if you give us a full day's wage. No, they said, okay, we'll go work. And there wasn't even a discussion of of salary or, or wages. It would have been fair to, to pay them for one hour, but the master paid them in four. And church, envy, envy causes us to lose our peace. We can be going strong in our Christian walk. We can be on top of it. And we hear of someone else who receives a blessing. Someone else who gets acknowledged for serv- their service. Even, even down to somebody being wished for their birthday at the office and you weren't wished. Or even more spiritually, we see others, others with gifting that we desire. Or we want the position that they hold. We, we want to be in the spotlight. And our response is often envy. The words, I deserve that. Why doesn't that happen to me? Often rings from our lips. So church, how do we, how do we fight this greed and jealousy and this envy? And, and Paul puts it so well in Galatians 5 verse 22. when he he mentions the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. There we go. And in verse 24, it says these words, And those who belong to Christ have been crucified to the flesh, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We, we told you not to, not to just get rid of our, our greed or our jealousy or our envy, but we're told rather to replace it with something. Paul gives the, the, the fruit of the Spirit after describing the, the fruit of the world as such. And he says, this is what you were like. Now, because you are in Christ, get rid of that and put this on. The more we walk in the Spirit, the more we, our lives become transformed, but so does our, at the same time our view of the work of God also changes. We start to understand what He's doing. We start to understand where He's at work. And the principle to remember, church, is empty and then full. Otherwise, it will just be full with the same old thing. If we don't, if we don't continuously ask God to, to give us love and joy and peace and patience, our natural response is going to be greed, envy, and jealousy. That's what's going to want to come out every time. So ask God to, to fill our hearts again and again. Remind us of His goodness and greatness. And, and think of that. But finally, as we, as we read this passage, we see, the, the, for me, one of the, the greatest pictures of, of justice and mercy at, at play. This parable shows two gra- true grace. All the workers had a job. They could count that as a blessing. This was a grace of God on their life. But at the same time, this, this passage shows justice. As we read verse 9 and 10, we, we, we can ask the question, you know, how, how could it be justice that, that all the workers got paid the same? You know, Logically, it doesn't sound like a very good business plan. You know, If I employ you for an hour, I'm going to pay you for a day. If I employ you for a day, I'm going to pay you for a day. It, it just doesn't seem like a very good business model. But it's a good question to ask, how, how is this justice? And the truth is that God is both just and merciful at the same time. Justice means that, that we deserve to be punished. In a criminal case, we, we watch it on TV, we read the news, and the headline is, justice needs to be served. We wanna see the person guilty for the, we wanna see the person guilty and face the punishment that they deserve for doing the crime. As we seek justice, we we hope that justice is served. And the truth is that justice for us would would be death. That is what we deserve for our sin. However, at the same time, God is merciful. God spared us the punishment by sending His Son to die on the cross for our sin. This was to satisfy the justice of God. This is the mercy of God sending Jesus to the cross. So the truth is that, that God can save someone at the 11th hour on their deathbed, like the thief on the cross next to Jesus, just as quickly as God can save someone as a four-year-old child. So, so what does this mean? There's, I feel like there's three groups of people that, that this applies to. For those who have come to faith at a young age, for those who have been serving God faithfully for many years, counted a blessing, you you've had, you've had many time or much time to to taste and see that the lord is good you've had a chance to lead others to the lord you've had a chance to to grow and deepen your faith this is a gift that has been given to you a statement that that I often hear from from people who have come to faith later in their life is this is i wish i had done it sooner i wish i had more time to to do what god's called me to do so for those who have come to faith at a young age count it a blessing secondly to to those who have who have recently come to faith stay faithful know that God is at work in your life and in all things in all areas for those who have recently come to faith you know it is it, this is the this is the news of the gospel repent believe and you will be saved there's no waiting period there's no exam there's no entry requirements come as you are You are in the kingdom, you are fully fully accepted. You're not half a Christian because you've just come in now. You're not only going to receive half a wage one day, but rather you'll receive the same as every other believer. And the challenge for for these two groups of of people is that we need to watch our hearts. For those who have been serving God faithfully for many years, it's easy to, to feel like you deserve more. You feel like you You've entitled more. You've earned it. You know, if you only if you only knew what I've done for God. However, at the same time, for those who have come to faith recently, we, you can stand there and go, you know, look how good God's been to me, um, and it becomes pride. It becomes a, 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 almost something that you've done, not something that God's done. But finally, for for the third group of people, those, for those sitting here, question if. If you know, should I believe, um, seeking out who God is, trying to understand Him more. The truth of the gospel is this, that we need to repent. We need to turn from our sin. We need to confess our sin and our need for Jesus. And we need to believe. Except that you can't do this by yourself. And, and take the free gift that God is giving us. It's not too late. Those workers arrived with an hour left and they got the full pay. We still have time, regardless of of how far you feel from the Lord, that that He's loving and He wants to welcome you in. So church, as we wrap up today, there's just two things that I feel like we could take home. Firstly, we need to guard our hearts. Let us not become filled with greed, with envy, with jealousy, but rather let's fill our hearts with, with the fruit of the Spirit. We are called to celebrate with, with those who receive blessing. We're called to, to mourn with those who are going through a difficult time. Let us, let us, let us be that type of people. Secondly, we, we need to find comfort in the fact that God can, God can do what He wants to do. He will show His grace to different people at different times in different ways. It's His choice. Our job is, is to let God be God and not try to take His job. As soon as we try to take his job, that's when we have the issue. That's when we that's when we struggle to understand what he's doing. That's closing prayer. Lord, we just thank you for for who you are, Lord. That your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts, Lord. You are you are good. You are at work in our lives, and we just thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you are gracious and you. You're merciful, Lord, that you, you give us your salvation so freely, Lord. For those who have come to know you a long time, a long time ago, rejoice that, that the Lord has saved you. And for those who have come to know the Lord recently, it's, it's the same. Let us rejoice that, that God has saved us. And Lord, just pray for those today who, who may be questioning where you are or, or what you're doing or, or how you're at work. They can't, kind of, they, Lord. Sometimes we don't know what you're doing, Lord. I just pray that you, you'll just give us comfort in this time, Lord. Lord, that that we can rest in you, we can trust in you, Lord. We can hold on to you. That that you are the the everlasting God, the the rock that that doesn't move. You're not just a pebble that gets washed away by the river, Lord. But you, are that rock that's been standing there for, for ages. Lord, thank you that we can just cling to you. We can, we can hold on to you in, in this time and as we face difficulties in our life, Lord. So Lord, just pray for us as we go now that you will be with us as we, as we face this week, Lord. Lord, help us to, to just display the, the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, that, that you instruct us to have. So Lord, pray for this in your name. Amen.